Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Dvaita Kadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhakti Vrindaki Jai Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopina Shamakunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai Matura Dhamma Ki Jai Navadri Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai Ganga Maya Jamuna Devi Ki Jai Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai Samaveta Bhakti Vrindaki Jai Gopananda all glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada and Mahon Vishnupadaya. Krishna Krishna Gutale Shumate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nityanane. Namaste Saraswati Deva Yoramani Vachani Yasasasasamani Maskatyadi Sitani. Bandayam Shri Guru Shri Uttama Padapamam Shri Guru and Vaishnavam Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghunatham Vitam Sam Sajitam Sadhvaitam Sadhvaitam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Param Sagana Lalita Shri Vishatam Vitam Shra Vajapapa Chirishtha Vipasandhi Vajapa Tijana Bhavani Vyavashtarayi Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya
The gopis of Vrindavan, who were so attracted to him, danced with Krishna hand in hand. So that's the intertwining of the hands. So that's basically Prabhupada's giving the translation. And he says, Krishna's rasa dance should never be compared to any kind of material dance, such as a ball dance or a society dance. The rasa dance is a completely spiritual performance. to go to Sanatana Goswami's Tika, which is practically identical to Jiva Goswami's So he's translating Tatra, which means there, literally means there. So BBT translation, they translated it as being on the Yuna. So Sanatana Goswami is translating it as follows. When his mind was in harmony with their minds, Tatra, which reminds me of what you quoted yesterday, so I want to refer to that again today. He then began the Rasa dance, a huge festival which he desired to perform previously on attaining these women whom he most desired. He had the excellence of the Supreme Male by revealing his outstanding powers and sweetness as the Lord Gokula Govindaha. They were the best of all women, Sri Ragnai. Nandarka Vargas says, Radna means best of the species, literally means jewel. This shows the best ingredients for the rasa dance. They were furthermore influenced by the most intense frame of him, Pritai. So that's a different way of translating Pritai. Remember how it was translated in BBT? That they were very happy. And were solely dependent on him. Anuvratai. Anu means to follow, Ratha means to devour one's essence. There were many hands. Anyonyam refers to all gopis rather than one gopi being with him. There was a gopi on either side of him holding his neck. This is the characteristic of the rasa dance. Rasa dance is defined as women holding the neck of a male dancer on either side and forming a circle. They thought, quote, he should remain in the circle and not leave. Unquote. <laughs> Thus they held their hands tightly. Abhada. Why do you think they were thinking that he shouldn't leave? He he's already left before. Like we're going we're gonna to tighten the hold on to him, so he's not going to leave. Krishna Chakravarti Tapur, his commentary is when the act. This is interesting because he's listening to a bunch of anubhavas. Anubhavas are intentional displays of love. Anything we do, any physical action that we do in service would be an anima. He says, when the, comp- when the actions of singing, dancing, kissing, and embracing combine together, they produce rasa. Now this is not rasa, it's rasa. So we'll be talking about this. Amusement composed of rasa is called rasa kridam, or the rasa dance. Again, kridam means to play. Joyfully entwining their arms together, Krishna played with those gopis, the jewels among women, who were now favorably disposed on Nukrakai. Tatra Abhata Govindo Rasakriya Manukratai Sri Ratnaya Anita Purtaya Anyamyamadabhahi There on the moon's banks Lord Govinda then began the pastimes of the Rasa dance in the company of those jewels among women, the faithful gopis who joyfully linked their arms together. All right, so 
became inspired to refer to the Ananda Vrindavan Chantu. So while I was doing my puja this morning, I listened maybe five times to Maharaj's uh, audio book of the beginning part of this chapter. So this is from chapter 20 of Ananda Vrindavan Chantu. The burning pain in the hearts of those fortunate gopis who were the very life of Krishna had now been extinguished. How did it get extinguished? By him regretting his But by him regretting his actions and their conversations and him saying, I can't repay you. Taking to heart the gentle, nectarian words flowing from the full moon of Krishna's mouth, the gopis went almost mad as they caressed him with their trembling arms. They desired to enjoy their lover who displayed irresistible attraction. With his incredibly gorgeous form, looking more beautiful than a hundred thousand cupids, Krishna served the gopis a continuous feast for their eyes. Then the enchanter of the whole creation began his pastime of the rasa dance in order to fill the gopis' hearts with endless bliss. Krishna wanted the gopis to perform the joyful Abhisaka dance to display their talents and individual mellows. Bhadamuni, the authority of mundane dramatics, describes Havisaka as a circular dance the girls perform while holding their hands on each other's shoulders. Desiring to enjoy this dance, Krishna spoke to his gopi lovers who resembled the best jeweled flags. Krishna said, Oh, my beloved gopis, I desire great happiness from all of you. Now please hear my words with faith, which is See this auspicious expanse of naturally brilliant beach made by the Yamunama River, her heart bursting with pleasure. It is like a well-plowed field devoid of pebbles. Remember how the gopis are always worried about Krishna's firmly sweet on the pebbles. There's no pebbles. And shining like camphor, although there are many of you, see if you can make a circle there. Hearing this, the gopis replied, if we stand in a circle, we will be far away from you. Our hearts are all trembling at this thought. Being so far away from you, we will not be enthusiastic, nor can we endure the sorrow. So they weren't even willing to be like a few meters away after Krishna having left them to come back. Krishna said, Now just see the potency of my instructions. Though I will stand in the center of the circle with Radhika, I will also remain beside each of you, rapidly twirling around in a playful mood. Their doubts dispelled, the gopis became anxious to see the fun. In great happiness, they joined hands and formed a circle around their beloved Krishna. Their bodies seemed to merge into one form that spread out over the beach like circular waves expanding in an ocean of moonlight. That circle of all attractive ladies looked like a golden net spread over the waters of eager love for catching the fish-like mind of Krishna with the bait of ripe tutti fruits. The Rasa circle resembled a fortress of moonlight topped by the black flags of their swaying black braids and decorated with golden pots shimmering in the reflection of their full moon faces. The Rasa circle looked like a huge earring decorating the ear of the goddess of the earth. 
or a golden bracelet of Manasotra Lake surrounding Suru Krishna, or like a giant bangle around the full moon of Krishna. It looked like a potter's wheel rotating from the touch of a potter expert in Cupid sports. It appeared like a circular grove of interlocked golden desire creepers decorated with dewdrops of perspiration springing up instantaneously without any seed on the camphor dust beach beside the Yamuna. As literature is decorated with essays, all forms of auspiciousness and happiness ornament to dispense. Like skillful poetry that can be read forward and backward. Have you ever seen a poem like that? That can be read forward and backwards? The picture of the circular poems? Yeah. Yeah. But there's even English poetry that you can read forward and backwards. The Rasa dance sometimes went one way and at other times the opposite way. As poetry is marked by equal flowing syllables, the dance progressed with balanced steps and no stumbling. So this dance is the manifestation of the ultimate poetry, which we'll get to in understanding the difference between rasa and rasa. As poetry is written in both local and Sanskrit languages, various statements and counterstatements punctuated the dance. As poetry is ornamented with puns, which compress two meanings into one sound, tight embraces ornamented the circular dance. As poetry is adorned in alliteration, similarly during the dance the gopis wore suitable clothing to accentuate the various movements of their hands and feet. Remember we saw this yesterday with the dances for Lord Shiva, that they were suitable clothing. I remember Chapak was mentioning that for many of those girls it was their first time wearing the suitable Bharatanatyam clothing. As poetry is ornamented with repetition, so in the dance, one Krishna appeared as many. Isn't that cool? Right? Like right? you think about what sort of famous poems can we think about that has beautiful repetition? Or some speech or anything famous you can think of that has beautiful repetition? What about Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, which is famous for repetition? Right, or Edgar Allan Poe. Thus spoke the raven nevermore. What? So we have a very famous poetry that has this element of, of repetition. We have in the Gopal Tampu, the Govardhan Circumambulation song, right, that has the same question repeated over and over again. This is the repetition in the Rasa dance. The poetic repetition was what, again? That Krishna... There were lots and lots of Krishnas. That was the, the repetition of the Rasa dance. As poetry has both flowing and syncopated meters, similarly the dance sometimes proceeded steadily and sometimes in a halting motion. As the eye has a black spot in the center, the circle of dancers had Krishna in the center. Now this one, I always, always wondered about this one. Without anyone's notice, Yogamaya dressed the gopis in beautiful clothing and ornaments perfectly suited for the rasa dance. Did you ever wonder about that? How they showed up at the rasa dance with their clothing 
put on upside down and inside out, and they had their belts on their necks and their necklaces on their belts and sometimes on their feet. It was dragging, and, and so that was charming because they were so eager to meet Krishna, but it wouldn't be so suitable for dancing. So Yogi Maya switched their clothes. Without knowing why, Krishna felt overwhelmingly attracted to the gopis. Just see how expert Yogamaya is at satisfying Krishna's heart. Fearing that they had become too spread out, the gopis gathered together again. As poetry may have the fault of looseness, the gopis placed their arms on each other's shoulders in order to close up the gaps between them. Then Krishna, the king of all pleasure, left the center of the circle and quickly entered between each pair of gopis. Releasing their lock arms, Krishna placed his arms on the gopis' shoulders and danced with them. Coming between the pairs of gopis, Krishna first faced them and then hit behind their backs. Krishna held their necks between his arms and moved about. By this, the Rasa Ras circle took on a spectacular appearance, like a fireband twirling around, straight, then reverse, then zigzagging. Krishna's attractive dancing movements filled the gopis with desires to associate with him. Turning at full speed and putting his arms on the left and right shoulders of two gopis, Krishna simultaneously embraced both of them. Making a space between the two gopis whom he had just embraced, Krishna swiftly moved behind them. Then taking his hand away from one and using the shoulder of the other, he circled around again to face them. This is nice choreography that our dancers can think about when they're choreographing the dance. In this way, the fun-filled rasa dance continued. Again, this word was rasa krida, fun. Moving in the zigzag motion, Krishna rapidly and skillfully went around to embrace each gopi from front and back. Krishna's artistic dance of love filled his dearest gopi and all others with ecstatic joy. So it's very interesting, this uh, Sanskrit rasa and rasa. And of course, Rupa Goswami uh, takes Bharatmuni's understanding of rasa and applies it to spiritual life. So we're going to just look here how the ultimate rasa is rasa. The ultimate rasa is rasa, particularly this rasa dance. So I'm sure you're familiar with Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna is sometimes called konteya. So kunti, the in Sanskrit, the vowel u can expand to the vowel out. And we see each of the, there's basic vowels in Sanskrit and there's expanded vowels in Sanskrit. And we see this also with Vasudev and Vasudev. So when you use the simple form of the vowel, it can indicate the parent, and the expanded form of the vowel often indicates the child or the progeny or some kind of expansion. So similarly, we have the short up, which is pronounced like the English short u, like bus, you know, rasa. And then we have rasa, which is an expansion of rasa. So if you take the basic rasa and you expand it, uh, you have rasa. So rasa means taste. I mean, it's a difficult word to translate. Shri Prabhupada wrote that in Nectar Devotion, that it's sort of, uh, by the way, I owe that to Guru Prabhu with whom I consulted yesterday. So rasa is a very difficult word to translate. Srila Prabhupada wrote in Nectar Devotion that he was having difficulty finding an English equivalent 
And he said that he just chose to use Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasatya Thakur Prabhupada's equivalent of mellow, which of course doesn't really make it in 2022. Uh, mellow is, a, is, I don't know how it was used 100, 150 years ago, but today it's used as an adjective that something is, is not harsh. It's kind of laid back, it's, it's casual. Now, rasa is also used in Ayurveda, that it is the final, uh, close to the final, product of digestion, the rasa. The, when you digest your food properly, you get rasa, which also brings you then ojas and tejas. And foods that are very easily digestible without producing much waste are called a rasayana. So, for example, if you grow fruit locally, if, if the fruit is native to that place, you grow it locally, organically, you let it ripen on the tree, and then you eat it in that form, that kind of food is called a rasayana. It fills you with rasa without much waste products. Most of the food we eat today is certainly not in the category of rasayana. The Hare Krishna mantra is also called a rasayana. So this rasa krita display of rasa is the ultimate understanding of rasa. And just like rasa in the body produces ojas and tejas, tejas is power, right? When, you're, when your body is properly digesting, you get power, yes? You get strength. And you get also effulgence, isn't it? Yes? Healthy people glow. We call that the glow of health. So this rasa is like that. It's the nourishment, it's the glow, it's the ultimate expression of taste. So we find here in this rasa dance, Sanatana Goswami is explaining, you remember how he explained tatra? Instead of tatra meaning there on the bank of the Yamuna, which it could also mean, he explained tatra as hmm? here in the heart that they were here with Krishna. They had a oneness of interest. And I just quoted this in this class yesterday, uh, and I was so taken with it that I hope you all won't mind if I quote it again today <laughs> and, and look at it again today. This is from Srila Prabhupada's purport on Bhagavatam 1940. And those are familiar with Bhagavatam 1.9, what's happening in 1.9? So this is the very end of that purport, which was also being quoted in the, in the class we referenced. So how Bijudev, at the time of his leaving, it's interesting, his destination was where? Vaikuntha. Yeah? And he had this mood of Dasya mixed with Vira, Dasya mixed with Shivori. Uh, but he asked for the blessings of the gopis. And of course, this, is, this incident is particularly instructive because as Ramananda Roy states, I believe, at least twice in Maja 8, and it's also stated at least twice in Bhakti Vasanamita Sindhu, that although one can say that the different primary rasas are higher, on the other hand, each person's eternal rasa is the highest for that person. I mean, this is a general principle. We can talk about what is best, but then we can also say, well, what is best for me or you? And what is best for me at this moment? Like Rupa Goswami says that 
only foolish people will not live at the bank of Radakun. So are, are we all fools? <laughs> no, we understand that living at the bank of Radakun would not be best for us at this point in our life. I have a very dear friend who's been living in Rindavan for years, and at one point, she has a place at MIT, at one point she also rented a room on the bank of Radakun, where she would stay like two, three months a year. And she did that a few years, and then she said, I realized that that wasn't the best thing for me, that it was better for me just to stay in the MBT. I mean, of course, we have devotees who have service there. We have a, a, this temple there at the bank of Radakundar, go home and give. But my point is, you know, it's not that the whole Iskand should empty out its temples and everybody should run to the bank of Radakundar. We wouldn't even be able to. We damage the whole ecosystem there. And plus, we wouldn't be pleasing Srila Prabhupada and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And it wouldn't be the most favorable thing for each of our service. So in a similar way, each devotee has their eternal relationship with Krishna. And like there's this one story in Bhakti after devotion of one of Krishna's servants, I think it's and he's standing by when Krishna is joking with his friends. And as they're all joking and laughing, he starts to relax. And he starts also to smile. And then he feels very uncomfortable. He feels, I, I don't want this intimacy. And he goes back to his mood of dasya. In Sakyaras and in Madhuryaras, there's a stage called pranaya, which means equality, which happens very early in Sakyaras. Uh, but it's not there in dasyaras. There's not a feeling of equality. There's a feeling of reverence. And so this, this person who's naturally in, in servitude when he starts feeling this equality of friendship, he doesn't like it. It's not tasty for him. And he, he pulls not, it doesn't give him rasa. Right? And you go saw me now, I'm in the midst of studying this, the, the compatible and the incompatible rasas. Okay? Which, which work and which don't. So it's not that someone like Vishnu doesn't understand the gopis, on some level, doesn't appreciate that he's asking for their blessings, but it's not tasty for him. He wants something else. Now, it's interesting that it's described in the Bhagavatam that Bhishma also attains the perfection of oneness. And so we find that the impersonalists, they interpret Bhishma's passing as he merged into the Supreme. And this concept of merging into the Supreme as being the doctrine of Hinduism, or the doctrine of the Vedas, is very prevalent in the world. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada has this Pranam mantra, Nirvaseshya Shunyavadi. Also, Srila Prabhupada's Pranam mantra, Namaste Saraswati, Saraswati, the servant of Saraswati becomes Saraswati, which is again A is the expansion of E. I mean, I had this recently, one of my old high school friends who's a, what he calls himself, a Messianic Jew, that he's a Jew who worships Jesus. He sent me this whole article about how, you know, Hatha Yoga is dangerous because you can merge with God if you perform the asanas, which is, of course, ridiculous. But this concept that, that becoming one with God is the goal of Hinduism or the goal of the Vedas is very misunderstood. And this oneness that Bhijana achieves, or that here the gopis achieve, this tatra, this oneness of interest, is a very sought-after, desired, and important achievement, which Prabhupada describes at the end of that purport as follows. 
in reference to the Gobis. The equality is one of perfect ecstasy, where the differential conception is completely eradicated. Now that sounds like merging, doesn't it? The differential conception is completely eradicated. There's no difference between me and Krishna. Why, Prophet says, for the interests of the lover and the beloved become identical. And this is, of course, explained also in drawing money in reference to the gopis, that they have some artha love. Artha means a goal. That their goal and Krishna's are the same. Now, the queens of Dwarka don't always have this. And this is, they generally do, but not always. And it's explained by Rupa Goswami that the times when they don't or when Krishna is not so attractive. Which is explained in the Bhagavatam, right? That the queens of Dwarka, they would display many feminine features, but Krishna would be detached. But Rupa explains that was the time when they didn't have absolute oneness of interest. But the gopis always have this absolute oneness of interest. Krishna's happiness is my happiness. I mean, we get a little bit of an idea of that in this world when we love somebody, isn't it? Right, just the other day, I was talking to one lady who said, you know, my husband's project is my project. Right, or like yesterday I was watching my daughter dance and her happiness was my happiness. Does that make sense to everyone? You have people like that, that when you see them happy, you feel happy. You see them accomplishing something wonderful, you feel happy for them, with them, that you don't feel like you have some sort of separate interest. So we get a little idea of this. Because this is the way that the soul becomes happy. Prabhupada describes it as we're enjoying through Krishna. And it is a kind of oneness. We do accept the Chintu Tattva. There is a way in which we are one with God. And part of the reason that Krishna left the gopis and then even left Srimati Radharani was to get this sense of oneness not only of the gopis of Krishna, with Krishna but the gopis with each other. And as Kavi Karnapur is describing, they're dancing in such a way it looked like there was just one person dancing. And we see that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was wielding his stick, right, when they're playing like cowboy boys and it looks like a fire, like one thing, one thing wielding around. So this harmony, this oneness, of course in this world, we, we never really achieve this. We, we try to get a oneness as a family, we try to get oneness as a country, or people try to get oneness in watching a football game and cheering for their team. You know, we're, we're trying, we're, you know, we work for a company, and, but it, it's not really there, is it? Because, because we have our separations. We may have these, these moments where we feel this kind of, of oneness of interest and harmony. Uh, but otherwise, we're also thinking, well, what about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? You know, does my spouse really care about me? Does my, do my parents really care about me? My children really care about me? Does the boss of my company really care about me? Does the president of the United States really care about me? You know, we have these, do, do the people on the football team, do they really care about me? You know, we, we have this, this doubt because it's a fact. And we start pulling back and thinking, well, well I, I've got to take care of my own interests. 
I've got to look out for myself. We feel this lack of, of connection. So this is a total harmony of interest. And again, we see this in this world in a well-performed dance, don't we? We see dances that are really expertly done. There's such harmony between the dancers that they, they move as if they're one organism, isn't it? And there's even, you know, I think in the Olympics they have synchronized swimming like that. Different, some synchronized events. And it's not that everybody has to be doing exactly the same thing, but everything is in harmony with the dance. So we experience this in a symphony, too. Isn't it fun? Right? A band, some group of musicians that are working in such harmony that we can make out here's the sound of the wind instruments, here's the percussion, here's the string instruments, but it's acting as, as again, as one organism. And when our body's healthy, it works like that as well. Right? Our, our circulatory system, our respiratory system, our digestive system, our immune system, it's all, all the different cells of the body work in sync as if they're one organism. And that's the way the whole universe is supposed to work. That's the way a society in Varnashram is supposed to work. The heads and the, and the head and the arms and the belly and the legs all work cooperatively. That's the concept of marriage where we talk about the husband and wife being the different sides of the same body. And we just had this extraordinary uh, story in, in Active Devotion of, um, of Diavir, the example of Diavir, which is the heroic cross where you give to Krishna uh, not knowing that it's Krishna. And so uh, Krishna was uh, helping Arjuna with the, taking around the, sacrif- the horse for the sacrificial uh, registry of Yudhisthira. And this one king absconded with the horse and wanted to use it for his own sacrifice. So Krishna wanted to get the horse back. So he goes and disguises a Brahmana and he says, my son-in-law is most captured by a lion and I need half your body to feed the lion and rescue my son-in-law. And the, the king says, sure, I'll give you half my body. And the queen says, well, I'm the left half of my husband's body, just take me. And Krishna says, no, the lion wants the right half. <laughs> and so the king's left eye starts to cry. Tears start coming out of his left eye. And Krishna says, if you're not going to give your body willingly, I don't want it at all. I'm trying to be very significant. And the king says, no, no, it's just you're only going to take my right half. My left half is sad, and you're not going to take that, too. <laughs> and then Krishna says, all right, right, you don't have to give me your body. Do your yagya with, with the horse, then give me the horse, and I'll take it back to you, dear. But anyway, this concept that the husband and wife are two halves of the same body. So we have this, this concept, but in, in the spiritual life, this actually happens. The gopis are all dancing with Krishna. Krishna is there by the side of each gopi, hugging him from the front, hugging him from behind, whirling around. Many Krishnas that all seem like one Krishna, as many gopis that all seem like one gopi, each dancing with Krishna. And these different anubhavs of their singing, dancing, embracing, and kissing create this expansion of rasa called rasa. So even for us uh, uh, sadhakas, or someone like myself who's barely even a sadhaka. So we can taste happiness 
when we also express our devotion for Krishna in various ways. And this is true even for a beginner, even someone just visiting the temple for the first time, for example. When you dance for the Lord, when you sing for the Lord, when you offer incense and lamp and flowers and fan to the Lord, when you hear about the Lord, all these anubhavas, they're expressions of love, but not only do they express express love, they also grow love. Huh? They also grow love. Like, it's interesting that Rupa Goswami talking about meeting separation, which is part of the Saibhav. He says these also act as deepness. They also act as stimulus. So when we engage like this in devotional service, we feel some taste, we feel. Isn't it? Even in the very beginning, we were telling the story about the man on Harinam. Right? Maybe the first time he needed devotees and he felt some taste. And as we keep doing that, our taste increases and increases and becomes more and more and more um, concentrated and more and more and more uh, specific. And Prabhupada says the goal of this Christian consciousness movement is to, in some capacity, enter into this rasa. Not just rasa, but rasa. These are very hard verses to talk about. I hope I get it right. Yes, Marj. So, so therefore, basically, when you said we should imitate the Anubhavas and then stimulate trust? Well, well the Anubhavas that we should do, we should certainly be singing and dancing. We're just about to do that. Some of them wouldn't be appropriate. Some of them are appropriate to sadhikas and some aren't. And some are appropriate to people in different... Uh, even for Bhishma, some of the, the behaviors of the gopis would be highly inappropriate. Oh, no, yeah, I don't think we want to start drooling. <laughs> That's an Anubhava. That is an Anubhava. Shilaprabhupada Kija.